0: Ooh. This clusterfuck that you've been listening to, you don't even have to know how long we've been trying to figure out how to start it's a It's been podcast. 36 minutes. It's like, oh my, it's actually, according to my clock, 44, but yes, we have just started this episode, but we have been trying for 44 minutes, and it's basically like, you know when they talk about, like, if you give enough, monkeys enough time, they'll write Shakespeare? Mm-hmm. That's basically what's been going on. Look, is, it's a
1: loose 40, all right? We just need... <laughs> It just needs to start. It's
0: it's a loose 40. Now that we're here, we're good. you know, reminiscing about cats eating crows. That was a good cat. It was a great cat. I miss that cat. Me too. Pouncing crows. Yes, pouncing crows. Matt's trying to take my job. These goddamn kids trying to push us out of the way. Doing what? The puns. Oh.
2: I mean, you're almost ready to retire. Like fucking
0: accounting? Yeah, no, you don't want my job. I don't want my job. Anyways, welcome back. This has been a wild ride this morning, and it's only going to get even better. It's not morning, it is evening for us, so I don't know why I said that. We're keeping
2: it. Oh my god, this is the Poor Pearls Almanac. Andy is talking. Thank you, Elliot. My name is Elliot, and we have our co-host, co host with us, Matt.
0: Howdy. Coco host? Like Coco Chanel. I'm, I
2: guess I'm the Coco host, if you really want to.
0: i don't know uh, is there a hierarchy here we don't believe in hierarchies here first off so no there's no <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not we're not doing this delineation See, you missed shit. it that was a this is no own... hierarchy so jot that down first off jot that down
2: <laughs> we don't have any we don't have any notes for this episode and all doesn't no sound notes. like we have, <laughs> it's off the cuff it doesn't sound like we have a clue either so bear with us a little bit
0: today we're talking about elliot's favorite nut because he can't i don't know it. how to
2: say it I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit lost. I don't. I feel like I don't have anything to add.
0: Uh, but other than he also doesn't really believe it's true that no, it's a real I don't. thing. I, so it, it's that extinct,
2: it just like it didn't exist at all.
0: It's not extinct, though. That's the but, thing.
2: Okay, I guess. Live and well. Now
0: you live near now, a bunch of them, so we're gonna be talking about what you need to go do. Track down these suckers as you're listening. I'm to here to this. learn. He's here to learn a thing. Today we're talking about chinkapins.
2: Woo. We're we're talking about nuts. Woo. It's a nut
0: and we're i thought we're, I we're feel getting feel nuts. Like I'm gonna, we're, we're getting deep in,
2: I, I feel like i'm gonna go nuts that's what it is i feel like i'm gonna go insane that's you're getting, it
0: yeah you the nut culture is seeping into your skin we, into the pores all the nuts go, i feel like we had enough of this last episode yeah no no i've had, had enough haven't.
2: right now we've never I've had, had enough, enough right now because i could have gone my whole life without hearing anybody ever out of the phrase nut culture I never, I never thought. You know,
0: sometimes you need to check no, your notepads. No, I never cultures, thought I'd you know? hear. Yet we need to live through it. Yeah, I never thought I'd hear. Power through it, Elliot. Power through it. I the never nuts. thought I'd
2: hear or read that.
0: You know, it's a little rough sometimes, but it does get easier. <laughs> hey, it gets easier.
2: I'm so close to done, boys. All right,
1: let's talk about chinkapins. Okay. What? We gotta, we gotta understand the pronunciation.
0: Chinkapin. Okay. Chink a pin. It's
2: not qua, like a Q U.
0: So that's the old spelling, but you also see it spelled with a K. It's been, but yes, it's been Chinkapin.
2: anglicized.
0: I mean, it is an anglicized word of an Algonquin word. So now you're taking my notes for later on the episode now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Chinkapins, tiny chestnuts. The reason why I want to talk about these guys is we're doing this nut series. And while we could talk about American chestnut, which is like an interesting enough subject, these are like really cool they're still active in the landscape and uh there's a lot of research going on that's quickly changing the way we understand the ch- the chinkapin on the landscape despite the fact that there really isn't a whole lot of research that's been done to this point so like if you go on like google scholar or ResearchGate or wherever if you look up like chinkapin in either spelling or it's latin it you only see like 40 or so papers and most of those papers are really focused on genetics. Okay,
2: so why genetics? Are we still in the Gregor Mendel phase of these chinkapins or something?
0: Punnett square, punnett square. <laughs> There's two reasons, really. The first is that it was once divided into a bunch of distinct species, like back when colonizers were showing up and they're like, huh, this is kind of like that other thing, but it's different. It's a new species. Newer research, as people start to understand like how plants actually evolved, made the conclusion that these are actually just one single species with these regional varieties. This becomes pretty obvious when you start breaking down its evolution and its relationship to the American chestnut, which is like the big brother, basically, of these guys. The chinkapin Latinate is Castanea pamilla, and the main varieties that folks that are listening to this that are familiar with them are probably most familiar with is Allegheny. And this is kind of like your, you know, generic brand chinkapin.
2: Okay, so we're in the Northeast, and of course, New York has to have the standard for everything. So they got the standard chinkapin, but it's different from the 39 other species of chinkapins, sort of, but not really. Yeah, it's going to be one of those episodes.
0: Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. So the main one is that Allegheny, and then there's the Ozark. The American chestnut is considered to be most closely related to the Ozark. The Ozark's really considered to be kind of this like ancestral type of chinkapin, and you could say like less evolved. So it really is basically a chestnut then? Sort of. It's range other than the Ozark, which we're going to get into is pretty similar to the range of the American chestnut when it was, like, fully on the landscape, although it was, like, maybe, like, 5 to 10 degrees warmer, so it didn't quite go as far north. It basically stretched from, like, the tri-state region of, like, New York, New Jersey, Long Island, down to Florida, out to Texas, and then kind of back up.
1: Hang on, did you call the tri-state region New York, New Jersey, and Long Island?
2: I mean, I think he meant Connecticut, because I'm pretty sure he knows Long Island is not a state. Pretty sure.
0: Bro, Long Island is a state of mind. Now, despite the wide range of the chinkapin across eastern North America, the Ozark chinkapin is restricted only to the Ozark Plateau in Arkansas. (gasps) Or at least it was thought to be. Which is a bit strange considering how it stands in the evolution of the American chestnut and the Allegheny chinkapin. And as I just inferred, I think we're on the verge of kind of rewriting this history.
2: Awesome. So Andy's about to crack open the classic... Earth-shattering research of, let me check my notes here, uh, the tiny, dusty old chestnut.
0: Well, recently, a new variety has been identified, the Alabama chinkapin, like just in the past couple years. It's still not even officially considered a new variety, but it's pretty clearly not Ozark or Allegheny. And more species more closely aligned with Ozark or Alabama have been identified in places as far away as Delaware, raising new questions about what their range actually looked like. It's the realest sort of range anxiety.
2: I mean, a little bit. It sounds like it's got quite a bit of range here, but you haven't really explained how it's different than the American chestnut, and I feel like inquiring minds want to know.
0: So they're pretty similar in terms of nut profile to the American chestnut, but unlike the American chestnut, which was once part of the canopy in eastern North American forests, the growth habit of the chinkapin is often thought today is more of like a shrub or an understory tree. I know you're going to be shocked about this, but this actually isn't completely true. All right, I'm I'm pretty interested in what you're
1: saying now, so I'm going to let the phrase nut profile just slide.
2: I mean, canonically, it's one of his more innocent phrases, but brutal mental image, though. It reminds me of that movie Real Splice scene from Fight Club.
0: Now, historically, it's believed that the chinkapin evolved from the American chestnut. It includes shrubs and trees that uh, occupy dry, open, usually disturbed sites with poorer soils. Now, Allegheny chinkapin is the far more commonly found chinkapin, and typically has multiple stems with no clearly defined leader, giving the plants a bushy appearance. The Ozark, much like the American chestnut, usually grows single upright stems in the subcanopy. Historically, this was well known and understood. Now, you can look at news articles talking about chinkapins 60 feet tall and even taller, many of which were far outside the Ozark Plateau.
2: So, like, the Mandela effect, we thought it was
0: a a tree,
2: but it's a bush. I thought it was a... No, we thought it was a bush, but it's a tree. Both. Okay, so...
0: Also, fuck the Mandela effect. All right, this this is a real thing. These actually existed.
2: (laughs) No, man, it's true. Is the the
0: chinkapin just the OG Sinbad? Who's Simbad? Have you seen Simbad recently? Why does he look like ice? Oh my to you?
2: god! I'm I'm sorry. I can only handle one brain numbing question at a time. Matt, man, I don't know how to answer that question other than he's a genie. And Andy, what the fuck is wrong with you? How much time you got? Not enough. But we should definitely record that one day, and I will definitely label that tape as your manifesto for work. I mean, the feds. Oh yeah. How 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 is work?
0: Yes. uh... You know, and, and... <laughs> Speaking of the feds, Elliot, how is work? All this uh, is backed up by more than just the Mandela effect, for the record. Older texts prior to the chestnut blight shine some light on this difference, often referring to mature Ozark chinkapins as reaching 60 feet or more in height, like I said. Unlike the American chestnut, however, the Ozark chinkapin appears to existed primarily on the forest edges, often on poorer soils and rocky ledges, typically at a density of like one per acre, or at least, as we understand them today, unlike the clusters of Allegheny from, like, typical, like, suckering.
1: So, sensing kind of a theme with a lot of stuff we talk about, they're, well, I guess, species of plants we talk about, they're the same, but also, like, complete opposites.
2: Yeah, that checks out. I kind of called it from the start. It's going to be one of those episodes.
0: That's true. I mean, you can never be wrong if it's one of those. You're the real Babe Ruth of... Knowing what Andy's going to say. That's why I keep Elliot around.
2: It's like one giant fortune cookie metaphor where like everything is nothing and all at once. I don't know.
0: The only fortune cookie I ever remember is the one from Rocco's Modern Life.
2: It's still so good. Do you remember it? Bad luck and misfortune will invest your pathetic soul for all eternity. (laughs) For all eternity,
0: (laughs) yes. It's so fucking good. The infest part. The infest part
2: is the best part of that fortune cookie.
0: Yes. It's just like so beautifully written. Like, Man. I would have loved being in that writer's room.
2: Well, do you remember the scene with the little elephant typing it and putting it in the cookie and he like looks at look
0: yeah with he the, looks at type the camera writer? and breaks
2: the fourth wall and is just like eh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. <sighs> what were we talking about? Chest. Chinkapins. Chinkapins. Oh yeah, so they're they're on kind of these like rocky edges, right? They're not really in the forest, so to speak. They're on kind of the edge of the forest, right? What we can do today is we can go to these forests where they existed, and the remains give us like a lot of interesting insight into how these trees existed on the landscape, right? Now, one of the things is that they're often not very straight, and there's a few reasons for this. They have these jogs that are called bayonet points by arborists, and they're evidence of like the primary shoots dying on the tree. But the reason for this is actually really simple. The chinkapins are just really fast growers, and they'll grow throughout the year. They don't really slow down. And they'll not harden off quick enough for the cool winter weather, which will usually, you know, come in quickly around the Ozarks. And that causes those terminal buds to die. And in turn, like, one of the lateral buds on the side of the branches will take over. So, like, if you've ever, like, fertilized a fruit tree in the summer and had, like, that big spurt of late growth, especially when it rains heavily in the fall, and then you get hit with, like, an early frost, then you're, you're probably pretty familiar with this. I mean... Hey, we're taking a quick break in the episode to remind you that you can get a whole lot more information from PoorProls.com. On our website, we have access to our supplemental reader for the podcast, which provides more depth and context as well as thorough citations for all of the stuff we talk about in the show. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which updates you about limited releases, such as various nursery stock that we sometimes sell through the Poor Proles website, as well as updates about new merch that we have. You can also support the show through that website, poorpearls.com, where you have access to our Patreon and our Substack to get early releases for articles and episodes. Now, if you enjoy the show and are just looking for even more audio content, go check out Tomorrow Today, which just wrapped up season one, or tune into the Gastropocene, which is a project of myself and Dr. Aisha Khan to discuss the way our diets have driven the Anthropocene and what it looks like to use our diets for good. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're uh, working on that chinkapin goodness and uh, reminding you to be nuts about nuts or at least like.
2: I mean, if you're listening to if you're listening to this podcast, you better fake being excited about nuts or we'll sick normal norm on you and you're and you, all you nutty nut haters. Don't
1: don't mess around with this. Normal norm is uh, not so normal to when he's trying to fight you.
0: Yeah, It's it's his rutting season. Normal norm.
2: When he does that crab walk with the Nutcrackers coming towards you, it's- yeah, oh, yeah, it's I'm that fine.
1: um, it's that type of fighting where they're like on the ground, they're like on their back all the time and trying to kick up at you. It's kind of a nightmare. You mean oh. jujitsu? Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. Normal Norm is a uh, Normal Norm knows Beat n- me n- up knows with jujitsu. That's our next bumper uh, sticker. There's them.
0: There it is. Pissed. Yeah. <laughs> normal Norm knows jujitsu. No. Normal Norm beat me up with his jujitsu. Yeah. It'll be very esoteric, but the three people that get it, chef's kiss. (laughs) The three people that get it, get it. They're gonna love that bumper sticker. It's a good. It's us. First off, the three people are right here. I want one. Um, All right, so let's talk about this this chinkapin specifically, the Ozark, because that's one that I think is really interesting. Now, despite the fact that like chestnuts have been like a huge part of the indigenous diet here in North America, and the chinkapin is no different, right? So, despite the fact that it has been a part of these cultures, there really wasn't a whole lot of evidence that was recorded on the chinkapin itself. Like, if you go through, like, old records, which I have, of, like, colonists showing up and documenting what they see, you'll see them talk a lot about the chinkapin and that they're harvesting it, but really not a whole lot more. That said, we can suspect that, like, the Allegheny, for example, uh, was probably kept in, like, a thicket type system, right? And this was probably on the outside of the typical burning cycles of much of the landscape, which would make like a lot of sense because thickets were something that were managed quite a bit, so this would make a it would make sense to do that. The additional part of that is like burning tends to cause chinkapins to send up massive amounts of shoots and uh this can create like dense monocultures of chinkapin which would again be considered of value if you're trying to get them to produce nuts, right? The biggest problem is that we just don't have a lot of documented evidence on how these trees were managed. It seems
1: like the moral of the story here is always leave a note. Make better notes
0: of how you're managing your trees for history. So we've been talking about like the American chestnut and how it's related to the chinkapin. So part of understanding is that the chinkapin is also a chestnut. It's in the same family. So it also gets chestnut blight. Now, most people that are listening to this podcast, I would imagine at least, are uh, familiar with chestnut blight and the American chestnut. And the fact that if you go in like the forests of like the east coast of North America, you'll still see chestnut sprouts that are coming up from like these old mature trees that had once existed and since been killed off the landscape. And the thing that is important to understand is that when we look at those chestnuts, all of them exist because of previously seeded trees right with the exception of like a handful of trees that we know of the idea of like trees producing from like a a fruit like a seed being dropped and germinating and like creating a new tree is basically non-existent for american chestnut so it's a clone yeah it's just the, the cop it's the sprout from a coppice so there's no new genetics so to speak going really into the american chestnut other than a handful of trees that exist out there that seem to be still producing nuts.
1: Oh, okay. So it's, like, all, besides for this, like, super group, which I, are, are, you, are you saying is, like, a very, like, well-documented and researched group?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not really important for this story, because we're not really... But
1: other than that, it's, like, most of what we see is, like, asexual
0: reproduction. Yeah, it's just, it's dead trees that are re-sprouting from the stump, uh, and then they get mm-hmm. blight again, they die again, right? Okay. While these chestnuts sprout from the ground where they might have been exposed to fire or cutting, or in this case the fungal blight, the method of that destruction, whether it's fire or fungal blight or whatever, significantly impacts how long that stump can survive and continue to send up shoots. Is this a metaphor?
2: No man, I think we just have depression. It sounds like one though.
0: Yeah, I mean basically that is the definite like def- what depression Feels like. Now, these small sprouts of chestnuts you might stumble across in the woods are a glimpse into the past, but not as many often think. According to research in the 90s, less than 5% of the original pre-blight canopy chestnut trees were still sprouting 60 years after the appearance of blight in Massachusetts. Elliot, you might remember from the coppicing episode that you can basically coppice forever.
2: If you do it right.
0: Yeah, if you do it right. So the fact that less than 5% means that this fungal blight is making it so that it's not doing it the right way. What this also means is that the sprouts we see of American chestnut today are actually very rare survivors from this like century-long war with the chestnut fungus, or they're the seeds from those final trees that were overcome with blight. So a handful of those might be trees that dropped seed right as the blight was hitting, and those seeds were able to germinate into new trees. So what you're saying is that like for every sprout of american
1: chestnut we see there are like 19 trees that like are
0: missing yeah something like that
2: good maths um so i'm guessing you know this ecological event caused a massive change in the ecosystem they can't go from being everywhere to nowhere and not cause some changes so it kind of sounds like a big deal Maybe because it isn't five thousand years ago, like other stuff in our episodes, it was yesterday, year, which seems closer and more pertinent to my existence relatively. So, it's like a it's like a new it's like a new big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Destruction in recent memory in plant world is basically like nine eleven, which is very appropriate for when we're recording this. What I'm saying is American chestnut blight is plant nine eleven. The bumper be... sticker, I'll
2: never forget. The American, dot, dot, the American be... chestnut?
0: I like it. Yes. Yeah. Ooh,
2: there we that go. That is controversial enough to actually work. It it could be, never
1: forget, but it's two chestnut trees. Mm, we're
0: on to something here.
2: Yeah, it's going to piss a lot of people off.
0: That's what we like to do.
2: We
1: could get it.
0: yeah. With <laughs> Write a,
2: that down, Matt.
0: <laughs> with
1: terrible
0: <laughs> bumper stickers. Yes. We're going to do it like... Oh, man. Even though the American chestnut's been basically wiped off the, the earth, right?
2: Eradicated.
0: This is where kind of the, the the chinkapin can really step in, even if it's only temporarily. Now, in contrast to the American chestnut, about 20% and locally more than 75% of root systems of large pre-blight chinkapins in Arkansas were still alive about 45 years after blight was first introduced, based on the same research project. Now what this showcases is how despite both species being impacted by the fungus, chinkapins shows significantly more long-term resistance. However, it's important to note that this blade occurs at much higher frequency in those dense stands of chinkapins. You know, the ones I was saying like from the fire burning and has been noted to have up to 70% of these dense patches to have that die off. Meaning that even if dense patches of chinkapins were more common in the past, we would still be less likely to see their remains on the landscape today, like what's been found in Delaware.
2: Of course the findings are in Delaware. You know, I even know somebody who was born in Delaware, and I still don't think that state exists. And I work for the government. Never mind.
1: There are, there are actually uh, 49 stars on the thing. Delaware, uh, Delaware stopped existing.
2: Nobody
0: counts, nobody counts the math It's the Mandela effect. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just thinks Delaware is a state. It's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you counted the uh, stars off a flag you saw? That would be that would be kind of fun if you had no. a flag in a public, hanging in a oh. public space, and you just kept taking off a star at a time. I thought you were talking about counting the stars. I was like,
0: why would that be fun for anyone? I'm very patriotic, Andy. You know this. You look it. <laughs> Thanks. You and your 60 bags of fertilizer behind you. Not suspicious (laughs) at all.
2: It's a lot of ammonium nitrate.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. We, let's not talk
0: about stuff. Back to
2: the Delaware findings.
0: Yeah. So do you want me to explain Delaware or? Yes. Go, please. Yes. You should probably explain it more because people have no
2: idea what the fuck we're talking about and that's what we're here for. So explain away.
0: Before I can explain that, we got to dive into the Allegheny Chinkapin. all right?
2: All right, I'm just going to warn you now, if this starts with a squirrel, I'm a snap.
0: All right, no, no, no. So not this time, at least. So while we focus primarily on the Ozark chinkapin and its kind of unique character in comparison to the common Allegheny American chinkapin, the uh, Allegheny's unique shape places it within a slightly different environment than the Ozark. So the Ozark is this big tree that kind of exists on the edge of the forest, right? And it's like very similar to a chestnut and like size and stuff like that. Today, the Allegheny is often used by, like, native plant specialists in like, thickets, like I was saying. Like, you can burn it, it'll sprout up a whole bunch and, like, provide a bunch of nuts and so on. It often is used in, like, dry, sandy soils and um, places like where I live, it's it's a perfect plant. Now, its bushy shape is really great for, like, nesting birds and, again, that quick regeneration after fire. Being a nut tree, it's, like, very comparable to, like, how we think of, like, the hazelnut, right? ma'am. You know, I'm a sucker
1: for, uh, bushy nuts. All this
2: low-hanging fruit.
1: Speaking of bushy nuts, uh, here's our
2: friend Norm. Yeah, bring- yeah, bring Norm in here. Hey there, it's me, Crazy
1: Norm, down at Normal Norm's Nut Emporium on John Brown Drive. We're going nuts for nuts in Nutty November. We've got big nuts, small nuts, chestnuts, ground nuts, nut butter, buttery nuts, nut milk, milky nuts, nut cream, creamy nuts, and the for the late night crowd, chocolate-covered CBD, deep-fried nuts. Want to join the nutstravaganza? Nut up and join the nut posse. Join other members and get your sack of nuts pounded for free whenever you come in and make the creamiest nut milk you've ever had in your own kitchen. Crazy Norm's Nut Emporium, 420 John Brown Drive or online at 4 com. The sound of his voice makes a chill run down my spine. A good chill.
2: Nope. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> no. He goes, <laughs> yep. nope, not the good kind. That fucking that bad brand amygdala fight or flight just <laughs> kicks right in. Oh. Nope.
1: Oh God! Thank God for uh for normal norm. Yeah. What would we do without him? Our, our Norm's
2: got bumper stickers too. Like if you guys hop on our website, we got some, and we're gonna keep them coming.
1: Yeah, he's a good guy. You need to buy normalnorms.com. I wonder what's, what's there at the moment. Sure, let's set oh, up- there's definitely
0: nothing. We should check, though.
2: Let's set up a whole
0: fake website for all our nightmare fuel. Hell yeah. Let's talk about the capins. Uh um,
2: Chin napkins? Because that's the only thing I can see.
1: Capens sounds like it's to do with ketamine. No, K- I was
2: going K-pop. something that's completely different. Don't drink on them. Yeah. Whatever you do, you do, not drink on Klonopins. It's bad.
0: Normal, normal, tell you all about it. You heard it here first. So let's talk about. Uh, do you think the only true chinkapin in the eyes of? Normal I was going to say.
2: Do you think normal norm cares more for the Ozark chinkapin or the Allegheny chinkapin?
1: Now this is where we get down to it. Let's, this is where this is the real hard
0: hitting journalism. This is it.
2: Let's get to the meat of this nut. See that's how you that's how you do it, Andy.
0: Yeah, that was, that, that was that well done. That is how you do it. What we're going to talk about now is Norm's favorite chinkapin, which is the Alabama chinkapin. Now, there's many firsthand accounts of the Allegheny Chincopin being managed in these massive monocrops, like what we've been talking about, which may have been the byproduct of initial burns to create the nut thickets. There's records from uh, Nehematia and his nut orchard with the creek in modern Florida, which was discovered by colonists to uh, Thomas Nuttall. Nuttall? Nudal. What a great That's name his for, name for this mm, episode? A nut finder guy. Thomas Nuttall. Yeah, let's go with that. He was just born into it. That's a
2: fucking pseudonym. He murdered people and right. started nut farming. And- <laughs> so no, like, he's what's not what's a nut farmer. Name? He's like I'm Thomas Nutall. I grow all the nuts it, it, in town.
0: He was a he was yeah. a, he was a, a researcher, discoverer, whatever the Voyager, some bullshit fucking term, colonist. All right. So he definitely murdered
2: people. Yeah.
0: Okay. Absolutely. And then he went to a new place. Yes, and brought all the nuts. So he documented chinkapins in southeastern Oklahoma in 1819, and again we've seen the chinkapins in Sussex County, Delaware, uh, which is near the coastal plain near a Nanticoke settlement. So basically, my point is that like the Allegheny chinkapin has been documented across all of eastern North America and even like the Midwest, right? Researchers for this Delaware project, which we're we're working our way to it, right, believe that. This, this uh, isolated population of chinkapins is actually probably part of a breeding project. And like the, the honey locust populations that are found in the Northeast alongside like Cherokee settlements, these trees were moved by indigenous people because of their value, specifically for creating perennial food systems.
2: Okay, so how can they tell how old they are from like 200 or 500 years ago? Like, are they counting rings on these trees? How, how does that
0: work? So it's actually kind of interesting. The chinkpins were planted in a thicket that's like a crescent moon shape. And the entire understory is covered in box huckleberry. Now, what makes that really important is that the box huckleberry has gone through this weird evolutionary fuck up, we'll say. So it can only propagate by cloning and it clones very, very slowly. Now, further, because they only expand by cloning, that means it would have had to travel to this specific spot. Which, like the chinkapins that provided their canopy, there aren't any box huckleberries really nearby. Based on the size of this patch, researchers estimate it to be over a thousand years old. Man, that is nuts. It is. God, it's nuts. You had
2: to give him that layup, didn't you? I just... Uh, now I'm mad at you, Matt.
0: <sighs> I, I want to kind of tie this all up, because I know we're kind of going all over the place with the chinkpin, right? Now, what makes the chinkapin so valuable is that quick growth rate that we talked about and that nut production. And again, they can fill a lot of ecosystem services that the American chestnut historically has done. Despite the small size of the Allegheny chinkapin, uh, it's been shown to produce similar volumes of nuts in comparison to the previous records of the American chestnut. Because of this, and unlike the American hazelnut, which has struggled due to eastern filbert blight, the chinkapin has significant potential as a scalable crop and a a silvopasture type tree. But it does have those blight issues, which is part of why it's really struggled to make a mark in even like the niche health food market or anything like that. So uh, come on, all you food bloggers. So we've talked about the Ozark and the fact that like, despite the fact that it's if you look at like a, a map from the government, the map for where the Ozark chinkapin is is in the Ozarks. We have tons of documentation about this being many other places. We also now have new research the last couple of years about this Alabama chinkapin, which is very similar to the Ozark in terms of structure and how it grows, but it's not quite the same. And I didn't really want to get into like the details of what makes it different, just that it exists. And there's other varieties that people are trying to advocate are also varieties and they don't fall into these three categories. So we've somehow gone from like there being seven or more different chinkapin species to now three going on more possibly varieties of chinkapins. So despite the fact that science kind of ignored what used to exist saying, oh, we figured it out. You guys were all wrong and idiots. We're now kind of going back and saying, actually, there's some scientific basis for a lot of this. We're just relearning it again, right? In the same process, we're slowly, very slowly starting to realize that like, the footprint of these trees are much more diverse than we initially thought. Which is important and interesting because when we start thinking about how do we restore these landscapes around us, we need to really understand what they did look like. Because you think about like the overton window of like the human experience and what we think of as like normal is pretty short in terms of like what the ecosystem evolves to, right? If you're to look at like these again, chinkapins that are sixty feet tall, that tree took one person's lifetime to grow, right? If somebody was born the day after it was cut down they could live to sixty years old and have never seen a tree that size until it grew from that first seedling right so we we have a very poor understanding of what our ecosystem looked like that requires us to start rethinking what what we know based on anecdotal evidence and actually start to dig into some of this really historic information from the footprint of the chinkapin uh, and so on further the other piece that we haven't even touched really is this idea of like climate change right and understanding how these species have to shift to be in a place where they're best suited to survive now fortunately uh research has been underway and is pointing to a really bright potential future for the chinkapin as long as we're willing to like help it overcome the barriers of that disease and travel distance using model projections by 2100 Assuming little is done to combat climate change in any meaningful way. Oh yeah,
2: we went from research to do.
0: Yes, sites with suitable habitat across all scenarios were identified and suggested as restoration targets. Most notably, places like where I live, the lowland New England, and high elevation, uh, southern and mid Atlantic Appalachian, 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 or Appalachian. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Those regions. Now, while research has been focused primarily on American chestnut, the climactic conditions for Castanea uh, required by Castanea dentata are pretty similar to the uh, Chinquapin, right? We talked about it's basically similar. The American chestnut likes those healthier soils, but otherwise, like they're, they're pretty similar. They'll, these will go on the outskirts of that same forest. They do well in you know poorer soils, all that important stuff. That points to the important, the most important piece of chinkpin planting, and that is the right soil conditions. And that's basically sandy, but not overtly wet soil conditions. So, Andy, are you saying the boys are back in town? If you mean by boys chinkpins and town, you mean the northeast, then yes.
2: Okay, so because of the lack of plants that already exist in the landscape currently. It sounds like we've got our work cut out for us to start bringing them, you know, back.
0: Yeah, you could say that. I've been pointing to this idea that, like, the chinkapins are important, ecologically speaking, for, like, native landscape pollinator services and so on. We don't actually have any research showing that the chinkapin might support a similar profile of insects. But, you know, anecdotally speaking, it's as close as we can get until, like, an American chestnut returns to the landscape, so it's a uh,
1: time for farming chink pens. The Cape Inn Farm
2: sounds like a drug lab See, I- to me. I just, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it should I'm just gonna flag that one right quick. I mean, with all that fertilizer, I don't think the Cape Inn Farm your biggest concern. <laughs> nope, nope, I'm not taking notes so, for work. Yeah, no, he's Elliot never would first. I off. don't he's have a pen a dedicated yeah
2: listen working with you guys i've gotten three promotions in four years okay
0: yeah and there's it's not like there's anything else around us you thought he could <laughs> buy that house out of nowhere like come on now i've seen what he made um uh, <laughs> all right so uh so my point is like the chinkapin, like has like a ton of uses it's got the nuts It's got tannin-rich bark, which is used and historically has been used for dyeing fabrics and leather. It also has this really rot-resistant wood, that is uh, why you can still find like American chestnut logs in the in the forest, is because the chestnut as a whole, like species, is just like really rot-resistant despite being fast-growing. So it's like this win-win, right? Fortunately, folks are working to kind of. Forge new relationships with these plants by searching for what's been left behind by past generations for us. We've had the Experimental Farm Network on here twice, right? And uh, one of the projects that they're working on is uh, propagating a cultivar that's called Ozzy's Giant Chincapin, which is named after a hobby breeder in Tidewater, Virginia, who had been uh, working on selecting the largest nuts to propagate. He'd also worked to develop machines to make them a viable commercial crop, which is pretty cool. Uh, and he'd been working on that until his passing in 2012 at the age of 85. Now, this is just one example of how breeders had worked to improve the quality of these nuts for human use. And there's probably untold breeding projects to be rediscovered across the entire country.
1: So the, uh, the moral of this story is grow more
0: chinkpins and learn about the history of your local trees. From a different angle, we've got like the Ozark Chinkapin Foundation who are working to preserve and improve genetics and restore much of the foundational knowledge about the tree and its uses, including experimental projects to replicate supposed uses of the tree, things like bow making, fabric dyeing, and like all, all those kind of things that aren't ever going to be capitally invested into, but are still like important for us as like humans that live on the landscape to know how to use. Now, there are many similar stories to this, to many of our native species here in North America. Chinquapin is just one little one and a vast array of species that we've basically ignored or forgotten about. And it's really up to folks like ourselves to start like really humbly attempting to re-figure out how to engage with these plants on the landscape and bring them back to life.
2: Yep, so Andy's main takeaway is to go befriend the ninety-year-old Fuddy Vudite with giant trees in his yard. Uh but don't let him hit you with sticks. If if he does, tell him normal norm's gonna get him.
0: Exactly.
1: And I do not think that guy's ready for jujitsu.
0: Yeah, no one's ready for norm. I mean just Norm's saying. gonna
2: dodge that double barrel. You know he's got it.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like matrix shit with that guy. I'm telling you.
2: I just pictured the <laughs> the Matrix cartwheel, but it's normal norm.
0: <laughs> I all I can picture with normal norm is um the fucking commence jiggling from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh tell us his name.
2: Happy time uh Happy Time Harry? Is it happy
0: Happy time. was it Happy Time Harry? It's happy
2: time. It's not it's not Carl. It's happy time
1: Jesus. Okay, wait, what do I gotta look up?
2: <sighs> commence the jiggling.
0: Yeah, you know what I'm talking about.
2: No, Happy Time Harry was the knockoff one that Meatwad got.
0: A jiggle Billy.
2: Was it Jigglebilly? Billy? Was the hill the yeah. Jiggle Hillbilly?
0: Yes. Uh, that's jiggle all I picture. Look up Jigglebilly from Watch Show. Jiggle Billy, billy Aquatine Hunger Force.
2: Yeah, I just typed in Jiggle Billy and it came up. <laughs> Commence,
0: a y'all? Commence the jiggling. come
2: Commence the
0: jiggling. I don't know why I got these oh, night vision okay. goggles. How
2: do you have these night vision goggles? You're a farmer. <laughs> I don't
0: know why I have these goggles. Anyways, that, that is normal norm in my head, is that guy right there. That makes sense. Right? Yep. So for people that are listening to this, and still. they're <laughs> still, and you're like, still, I ha- God help you. I haven't gotten enough chinkapin action. Go on Substack. This episode, Substack, is now free. If you're super excited about other nut projects and the other shit we do here, you can go subscribe there, get early access. Same with Patreon, all that cool stuff. We put everything up early access for people that support us because you know we love y'all we love y'all thank you but yeah we're gonna be getting into more nuts next week and the week after and the week after that and God the week after that
2: damn it i never thought that. never thought i'd ask how many nuts is too many nuts i think i have post-traumatic nut disorder holy shit i gotta pitch a treatment for that to the fda
0: at least, <laughs> at least just realized he does not like bukkake too many notes
2: very (laughs) post-traumatic very post-traumatic right now